here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Hello folks, we are live from Tulsa. James E. McNelly's. Dylan, we got beers in front of us. It is our live podcast for the week. Cheers, good to see you, buddy. And good to talk about the PGA Championship. But before we get to that, we gotta talk about what we're wearing. Sean, all week people have been asking us, they've been stopping us at the PGA Championship, said, what's that logo on your shirt? And it's Radmore, folks. The best apparel in the golf game. I'm wearing a nice orange color right now. Yeah. You've got a white and blue striped thing going on. This is good. The only, good, uh, the only issue, for sure. the only issue with Radmore is that my friends are noticing that's all I wear at this point. He's like, <laughs> how many versions of that shirt do you have? And I said, well, I kind of have like six. So we can get the people a good deal on Radmore apparel at radmoregolf.com. Sean, that's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com. You just enter code DROPZONE for 25% off at checkout. Let's talk about the PGA. I think when you talk about this PGA, like we're going to have to talk about every major this year. It, it, for better or for worse, it starts with Tiger. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, Scotty Scheffler, the number one golfer <laughs> in the world, the defending Masters champion, the only guy that could win the Grand Slam this year, was just asked, you know, if, if he feels like there's a lot of attention on him coming into this. And he said, no, Tiger's here. Everyone's already forgotten about me. That's what happened a month ago. I, I was walking the course with his agent, and I said, is it easier for Scotty Scheffler to win this week when all the attention is pulled to Tiger Woods? And he said, 100%. Yeah. It's easier for everyone to win when Tiger shows up. Well... Easier for everyone except maybe the other two guys in his group because the PGA has just gone all in on the attention economy here. There's going to be one group effectively the first two days, and that's Tiger, Jordan Spieth, and Rory McIlroy. But Tiger spoke to the press today. Was there anything that stood out from, from what he said? Well, he talked about Phil Mickelson. Yes. Uh, he was asked, can you win? It's kind of a silly question to continue to ask Tiger Woods. Like, do you think you can win this week? He only answers it in one way. Yes, yeah. I think I can. My question is, do you think he can? Because I sure as hell don't think he can win. I would be surprised if he wins. I mean, that's, that's not exactly going out on a huge limb. But I do think he's going to play well. I think this course sets up well for him for a couple of reasons. For one thing, he's hitting it plenty far. Like, the power is still there. Uh, I really like the, the way it sets up for someone that's going to be really precise with their irons, specifically controlling their spin, yeah. controlling their distance, which he's always been a wizard at. And then there's a lot of tricky Bermuda chips around the greens, which is like, that's what this dude does in his backyard like <laughs> all the time. Hits weird chips off Bermuda. So I don't know. I like his chances, but he did also say he was disappointed by how his body kind of broke down on the weekend at Augusta. Like that's not just a thing that, that we made up. Everyone watching. has forgotten about that. When Tiger shows up and steps foot on property, it's all a buzz. There was local TV doing really long hits about the fact that Tiger Woods is here on property. Everyone gets so excited and we look past the fact that he shot 78, 78 at a golf course that he probably knows better than anyone, maybe in the world. Yeah. He, he, he like willed his way to make the cut and he really, really struggled on the weekend. And I don't need to be the pessimist to your optimism, but sometimes it's just a little dose of realism we have yeah. to inject back well, to people. I don't know if we're, that, like, if we're on super different pages here because the thing about the Masters was the weather got cold and nasty on the weekend. The thing about this week was going to be, it's going to be hot. His body's going to warm up a lot better. Uh, that's just going to be really good news for the pro Tiger folks. 
But Sean, I got bad news. On Saturday, the high is 62 degrees. This is not what Oklahoma is supposed to be like. There's going to be some rain. It's going to get a little strange. So we yeah. could see almost the exact same thing play out. Yeah. Where he's in contention through a couple rounds, and then he just has a hard time getting up for the weekend. It's going to be breezy, at least on Thursday, probably on Friday. It was breezy out there today. I like breezy conditions for Tiger Woods. Anything that makes it harder for everyone else in the field, anyone that, anything that makes everyone in the field really, really think. Mm -hmm. We talked to Max Homeless caddy this morning, and Joe Griner is talking about how he relishes in the thinking. He was he so excited. He yeah. really enjoys a golf course that makes you think. I think that that's a little bit rare. A lot of these guys like to be robots. They want to hit it into the fairway and hit to the center of the green and try to make a putt. That really doesn't require a lot of thinking, but this course will make you hit it both ways. That's why he likes it for Max Homa. That's why his coach, Max Homa's coach, really likes this course is because you gotta hit it straight off the tee and then you kind of have to work both types of shots into greens. That is the recipe for success for Max, but it also is for Tiger. Last thing on Tiger for me is, is that he did talk about Phil. He was asked a few different times, you know, what does it mean that Phil is not here? It, it, it didn't really feel like he extended the olive branch. I mean, he, nope. he hasn't literally extended the olive branch. He said he hasn't talked to Phil, nor has he really thought seriously about talking to Phil. Um, but also he just said that, look, <laughs> we, we see things very differently when it comes to the future of golf, when it comes to the PGA Tour. Tiger talked about, you know, legacy and what's important to him is, is that uh, the PGA Tour has done things a certain way that he thinks it's the best place to play and, you know, implied that I think Phil right. obviously sees things differently. Yeah, I think Tiger's right. I think Tiger has all the backing that he needs in that argument. And I don't know, Phil might be grasping for straws a little bit more. Uh, Dylan, for the people at home, we've got a little bit of a live audience now. These folks will probably be out there at Southern Hills this week actually mm -hmm. taking in the golf. You will be out there this week. Uh, for the people at home listening, though, what do they need to know about this mm -hmm. golf course to understand it? Because there's a lot of major championships. We really don't know like what the first hole does to the second hole and how it all weaves around each other. Yeah. It's really hard to understand that about Augusta National when you're watching on TV. I think it's probably difficult to understand it here. So what is Southern Hills look like to the person okay. who isn't going to be here. All right, well, we're here in Oklahoma. So mm -hmm. first of all, just to, to locate ourselves, we are not on the uh, Pebble Beach ocean cliffside. Um, it's a beautiful golf course. It's a giant piece of property. It is well-named Southern Hills. So yeah, it may not be as hilly as Augusta National, but definitely the clubhouse sits on top of a giant hill yeah. and the course goes up that hill a few different times. Uh, the fairways are pretty wide. And the rough is not crazy long, nope. but it is this kind of weird, squirrely Bermuda rough. So the ball can just sit down and you can hit some giant flyers out of there. So guys, we never... it. they call it wiry rough. Wiry rough. Like the ball will kind of fit within these wires. These mm -hmm. are strands of grass that the ball can jump out of it, yeah. but it can make it really tricky out of it, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, Justin Thomas was talking about it because he plays in Florida. He's gotten used to it. He played at Alabama in a, in a bunch of Bermuda rough. Mm -hmm. He said the tricky thing about it is you, you have a certain flyer lie. It could come out dead or it could come out like you're hitting seven iron, like 210 yards, <laughs> 220 yards. Um, so it's not going to be this U.S. Open style of, oh, man, these guys are going to have to pull a wedge and just hack it back out into the fairway. It's more going to be like, oh, God, that guy just hit the ball 20 yards over the green. Yeah. Now he has a really interesting, tricky 
pitch shot to a short-sided pin. Yeah. And I think that's exciting. So Tiger was talking about it today. He basically said, you guys are going to see a whole bunch of different types of shots. He was talking about guys are using hybrids and three woods around the green, potentially. They're going to be trying to hit some clever flop shots. Uh, I think it was Rory who was saying it's hard to putt around the greens. So there's just going to be a lot of tricky short game shots, wedge play. What else am I missing? My favorite thing that I've seen is that there's a corner of this golf course that is unlike any other golf course that I've been to mm. or that I think the PGA Tour goes to. Shout out to one person in our live audience, Steve. Steve's going to be out there this week. And Steve, I want you, if you're going to watch golf, to go to the sixth hole. There's a big grandstand along the left side of the sixth hole, and it is going to create the most weird, awkward moments on this golf course <laughs> for pro golfers who play slow golf. You've got the second hole, which is approach shots of a par four coming into this green. The third tee crosses over across the sixth hole, then drives back across that same line. The fifth hole comes up short of the sixth tee, and players will actually hit shots that might bound into the sixth tee. Then the sixth tee crosses over the second green. It crosses over the third hole, and just off the back of the sixth green is the seventh tee. And Brooks Kepka said today, if there is a back left pin on six, if you stick a pin back there, the people hitting on seven are going to get hit with a golf ball. Like, all right. You're so, in the wait, summarize zone. that. You just lost me with all the mapping. Like, <laughs> yeah. What's the point? The whole point is that course design, the fact that the golf ball goes so far, has really maxed out this area. Yeah. They've got these new back tees on three. Mm -hmm. I think it's a back tee that's new on six. This does not look like Southern Hills in 2007, in 1994, the last times that they've hosted the best male golfers in the world. And so that is a log jam area because you're gonna have par five shots coming into five, par four shots coming into two, par threes off of six. And these guys need to wait for each other before they play. The guys on six don't want to have Tiger Woods hit a great shot into five that will disturb them. The guys yeah. on seven are gonna wait for the tee shots on six to land on the ground before they hit. Yeah. This is gonna be, Victor Hovland talked about it. He's like. I don't want to know if there's a golf ball that will be landing near me while I'm yeah. standing over the ball getting ready to hit. And so the reason, Steve, that you need to go to this area is because you're going to see three different tee shots, <laughs> three different approach shots, and you almost don't even need to move your head. Like you could be in a neck brace and you can see all kinds of golf in that little spot. And I've never seen a place like that. You know the area. I played this course a dozen times in my life. Okay. So. And they <laughs> wait on each other. They have in the past. They're aware of it. Mm. Steve knows. Steve knows. So Steve's seen it. It may be different now from what you said. Well, I think it's been redesigned, and these guys are going to be tipping it out. I imagine during member play, it's probably not quite as packed in. Having 156 players is definitely an issue. And then, <laughs> yeah, they're going to be playing from the tips on every one of those shots. And major championship rounds, at the very least, are like 5 hours and 15, 5 hours and 30 minutes. I heard yeah. someone say this week, we're, we might be thinking 5 hours and 45 minutes. It'll be long days out there in the Oklahoma sun. So, Dylan, I want to run you through a little bit of a picking game. All right. I'm going to give you a bunch of trios, a bunch of groups of three that are all kind of playing the same. They mm. all kind of have the same storylines right now. And I need you to tell people how confident you are and pick one of the three. Okay. So, we're going to start with, I think, the three best players in the world right now. Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, and John Rahm. Pick one. Wow. I mean, first of all, the fact that you didn't include world number one Scotty Scheffler in, yep. in the top three golfers in the world. 
Uh, all right, Rory, Spieth, or Rom? Yep. It's got to be John Rom. I was hoping you would pick someone else because I have to go with John <laughs> Rom too. I think when he gets comfortable, like we saw like all of last year, extremely comfortable in his decision making, his own skin, his press conferences, everything. When he gets comfortable, I think he's the scariest golfer on the planet. And he was uncomfortable early this year. Yeah. Right? He was really uncomfortable with the putter. He changed the putter out, brought it back in, was putting, honestly, as bad as he's putted on the PGA Tour in his career. And I think he quelled that during the event in Mexico. He went down there. He's the best player in the field, as we talked about on this podcast, and he won. He won when he was supposed to win. I think that really quieted maybe yeah. any inner demons going on with him. Yeah, and although so, he was asked about it today, and he was basically like, what, you think I needed more confidence? You think I actually needed a he's victory? He's comfy right now. Right. Uh, I mean, the reason I think that John Rahm is the favorite to win this golf tournament is because when you see this course, you just kind of think of someone that's going to be relentless. I mean, when Brooks Kepka was winning his PGAs, his U.S. Opens, it wasn't just because he was overpowering golf courses because he was hitting the ball really far and really straight and, and basically never never making a big, big mistake. Yeah. John Rahm is that kind of guy. Rory and Spieth, they like to, they like to dabble in the big miss the every huge now and miss. then. They like to dabble in the big mistake. And, and so even though they are arguably the two hottest golfers in the world right now, there's Rory's, more pressure on them. Rory's and coming <laughs> off a couple top fives. Speed's coming off a, a win and a second place. They both need this in different ways. Rory desperately needs a major, and I think that that's a hard thing for him to get over the hurdle yep. on. Spieth desperately needs a PGA. It's not desperate, but he needs to he get it. He wants the Grand Slam. He wants the Grand Slam. And they're slam. playing with Tiger Woods. That has to be a disadvantage. Well, Rory himself has said it. If you earn a tee time with Tiger Woods in any event, yeah. the hoopla, the fact that 15,000 people are going to be out there following around at like the tiny corners of this golf course that can really be tough to watch golf, and like you're packing people into tight spots, that, that costs you as a, as a group sharer with Tiger Woods, one to two strokes, maybe per round, which is nuts. Yeah. But if Rory says it, I believe it. The next trio, Dylan, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, or Colin Morikawa. Wow. Please pick one. DJ. Gosh, you, you keep picking the people that, that <laughs> I want to pick. It's got to be Dustin Johnson. We should have gone over this beforehand so we could argue more. But uh, I don't think Colin Morikawa is a good enough chipper to contend around this place. Uh, from watching Brooks Kepka in practice rounds, he does not look like he's fully healthy. I mean, I know that like doubting Brooks Kepka at a PGA Championship is kind of a fool's errand. Yep. But Dustin Johnson, he has not been playing that well, but I don't know. I mean, the golf course is perfect for him. Yeah. It he, sets up really well. He, he had a solid showing at the Masters. He played all right at the WGC, made it to the Final Four. Um, I think that DJ is probably one of the more underrated guys in the field going into this well, week. He had he showed signs of life last week to Byron Nelson. This is a guy who just got married, right? That distraction, if it was a distraction, I don't know yeah. if he let it get to him, but it's gone now. Strokes gain marriage. Yeah. We don't know if it's up or down. Uh, but I, I like his chances mainly just because the guy is dipping. This is probably the worst stretch of 12 months of golf that he's played maybe his entire career. Like not winning, not really contending all that much. I'm buying the dip, uh, as we've discussed many times. And, <laughs> and Morikawa is dipping too. Like it might be the lesser of, of three evils kind of thing. Who else you got for me? All right. Another trio of great golfers. Justin Thomas, Cam Smith, or Scotty Scheffler. Oh. Pick one. Justin Thomas. 
God damn it, Dylan. What are you up to? Come on. <laughs> you just you just interviewed Scotty Shefflin on our last podcast. Why are we doubting Scotty Shefflin now? Like, why is he not being a guy that we're choosing in like the top uh, three or four guys? Uh, gravity, history. Like, no one can keep a run going this hot <laughs> unless historically you're unless Woods. you're Tiger Woods or maybe for a short time Jordan Spieth or yeah. Jason Day. I mean, it's like a once every five years type run that would include Scotty Scheffler winning this tournament. I mean, there's no, there's no good logical reason to doubt Scotty Scheffler, like, independently this week. He's got a great short game. You know, he, he, he really fits the mold for someone that would play well here. And he happened to, win, he happened to win the Big 12 championships here, 2015. Yeah. Um, but Justin Thomas was, was built for this golf course. If he can putt well, I mean, it's going to be someone that, that can uh, work the ball. He was already talking today about spinning his wedges uphill based on where the pins are. Like, I, I, I watched him have a, a wedge session, and I watched Tiger have a wedge session, and you can see where JT models his wedge game because he's working the ball both ways, even on 80, 90, 100-yard shots. Um, it's going to be really key around here to have this, this type of precision. And, and if he can putt well, he's going to be one of the best players in the world right now again. This must be, might be the stupidest question I'll ever ask you. Yeah. Is it foolish in any way on any level for Justin Thomas to try to emulate everything Tiger does? Um, I mean, maybe because Tiger Woods, he's not Tiger is, Woods is the only person that is Tiger Woods. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think that there's also something to uh, having the creativity and not being a, a track man golfer yeah. um, and not just being stuck with, you know, here are the numbers. Uh, here's what it would be like in a dome. He seems to have that more well-rounded like vision and his his. Yeah. His game around the greens has just gotten that much more creative because of that. If there's a reason to doubt Scotty Scheffler, it's because like the ascension, the first win, the second win a couple weeks later, the match play, and then the Masters, like none of the three preceding the Masters was like a reset point. There was always something quickly to look forward to. The Masters was a reset point where it's like, oh crap, this is a lot. I need to take a break now. Like I'm getting hounded with requests yeah. for this, that, and the other thing. He's on, he's on the drop zone. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to <laughs> yeah, calm I mean, down after he, that. He sat down with us, but this was agreed to prior to mm. him winning the Masters, right? He's going to be on a future cover of our magazine. But that was all figured out before the Masters. And he, I think he needed a break after the Masters. And all heaters come to an end at some point. It's almost like, wait, don't take a break. Just keep playing golf. He didn't play well at the Zurich Classic, like an event we don't really consider because Ryan Palmer was his teammate and it's a two-man event and like that gets thrown out the window a little bit. But he also showed like a little bit of, he played well-ish last week, but he still needs to like peak again. And yeah. who knows if he knows how to peak in like recurring ways. We're uh, grasping at straws. We're we are grasping at straws. Because he's been playing so well. But doesn't it, make sense, but we're gonna be right. But in a trio with Justin Thomas, if you just look at his finishes this year, T5, T20, T8, 6, T33, T3, T35, T8, T35, and T5. Zero missed cuts, a ton of top 10s. Yeah. And his floor is a lot like what John Rahm did last year. I spent a lot of time studying John Rahm last year, and it became apparent that his floor was finishing tied for 30th. Never missing the cut, finishing tied for 30th at the worst. You give this guy four rounds, He's going to run up the leaderboard. That's what JT's doing this yep. year. He has gotten zero wins out of it. I think you could argue he's had the best year of anyone who hasn't won. It's going to happen soon. 
And you just switch putters, Sean, and you know how it goes when you get a new putter in the bag. You just forget everything bad that's happened. All right, let's move on. Two more trios. Uh, this one are basically all three of your favorite golfers. <laughs> Max Homa, Patrick. Our trainer's not even in the field. <laughs> Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley. Pick one. Mm. Xander Shoffley. I can't stay away from Xander Shoffley in the majors because it's going to happen at Xander, some point. Xander is your cocaine. It's, <laughs> you can't. I can't quit it. can't quit him. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you want a really well-rounded guy this week. These are all good players. I think that uh, I think Max Homa is, is pretty well-suited for this golf course, and Patrick Cantley is well-suited for every golf course. But Xander Shoffley is one of a handful of guys that I think is most likely to win this week. You talk about value, he's going off at the same price as like Hideki Matsuyama. I think that he's just, a, and Victor Hovland, I think he's much more likely to win this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if you built a golf course for Xander Shoffley, it would look quite a bit like all this. All right, one. all right, all right. We'll get you off that drug. <laughs> Let's move on to Patrick Cantlay because you're actually disagreeing with me on this one. If you look at what Cantlay's done since Augusta, yeah. he lost the playoff to Spieth at the Heritage really should have won that event. And he pulled Xander along at the Zurich on that victory. He's only played yeah. a couple times, played really good golf. I think Cantlay's the actual move there. And now this is my favorite one. I really want to prove a point with this one. You need to choose between Tiger Woods, oh. Bryson DeChambeau, oh. and Taylor Gooch. Wow. Little Oklahoma love there. Um, Oklahoma State boy. Good I'm, question. I need to prove a point because the answer is definitely Taylor Gooch. Steve agrees. Steve is saying yes from the... Wait, from Steve, why am I right? He's real comfortable here. He played up on the stage. It's his dream. It's Steve his dream. points out that this is his dream. It's, I mean, it, definitely a home game for Tiger Are you going to disagree with Steve? Yeah, it's Tiger Woods. Tiger oh Woods is definitely goodness. the answer. <laughs> Taylor Gooch is going to, you know, coming home is hard. It's going to be difficult for Keegan Bradley to go succeed in Boston. Okay. Shout out Keegan Bradley. Uh, when, when the U.S. Open comes around, and it's going to be tough for Taylor Gooch to really play his best golf when he's just kind of ascending. This is going to be his first time as like a, a big timer at home He's in been Oklahoma. playing good, quiet golf this year, Taylor Gooch. Yeah, for like almost a full year now, he's been playing really good and golf. And I don't think that the Oklahoma fans necessarily – uh, they haven't put him like atop their mantle, right? He mm. like priority one for the Oklahoma love is Alex Vic. Norin. Oh, it's gotta be it's gotta be Victor Hovland. It's not what quite Alex Norin, but Abe answer as Steve has picked to win this week. He's an Oklahoma Sooner. I think Taylor Gooch falls down a little bit. Like I don't think there's as much pressure for him to mm. compete here as much as like Victor Hovland really should do really well here. We haven't discussed him at that much length yeah. yet. Like. Pressure is on Vic. He's been the one making all these trips out here the past few weeks. He's seen this golf course at its firmest. He's seen it yeah. at its softest. I think there's a lot of pressure on Vic to play this week really well. I worry about Victor because he is just one of the worst chippers on the PGA Tour. You know Tour. who's a really good chipper? Who's that? Taylor Gooch. Yeah, Tiger Woods. <laughs> all right, we're all out of trios. Um, I would like to cede the floor to you and or Steve and anyone else here who has questions for us to dive into. Do you Steve. have a microphone for Steve? Steve, do you got any questions for us? I'm real curious about what the course is playing like, mm. but I haven't seen it. Well, we've seen it. Yeah. Steve wants to know what this course is playing like. How is the course playing? 
I keep getting people saying a little bit of vibes here and there that like there's going to be a focus on hitting really, really solid tee balls. Like you need to be a long player. You look at the par threes out here. Yeah. Many of them over 200 yards, 230 yeah. yards, Up 200, to 250, I 250, think. Yeah. 250 probably playing like 260, 213 playing like 225 in the wind. Sure. Those are the par threes. You've got a par five that's 656 and yards. another that's 630, I think. These yeah. are mile long par fives. Like this is a very long golf course. You have to hit the ball really well off the tee. And it's not just that though. Like when you talk about a long golf course, it's like long irons too. That's why Will Zalatoris keeps ringing in my head. This is a kid who's played well recently. These are not lightning fast greens, right? The greens are probably as fast as they can get given the contours and the slopes. These are slopey greens, so it's not gonna be running like a 14 like it will be at Augusta. Right. It'll be something less than that. Will Zalatoris, not a super strong putter, but you give him Keegan Bradley, another really good tee to green player. You give great iron players, great tee to green players, a slower green to putt on, I think that's where they succeed. Well, and I think it could almost be neutralized because the greens are so slopey. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure put on people's short games, but not necessarily on their actual putters themselves. But the thing that I keep hearing from people, because it sounds obvious, it's like you needed someone that hits it long, that hits it straight, that can control their distances, that's a good chipper. It's just going to be someone with a really good all-around game. Like There's probably not going to be a random surprising winner this week. It's probably going to be someone that really hits the ball super well. It's not going to be a, a you know, we're not going to see a, a PGA... Uh, like a PGA professional from home in contention come Sunday. A little too long. Yeah, too, too long, too tough. You just can't fake it. That's what everyone keeps saying. You can't fake it around this golf course. And I think that that's probably a testament to the course. Yeah. It's also prettier. Like this course, I think, looks better than it did in 07. Yeah. Remember, I think Tiger Woods even said that this week. He kind of threw a little dig at like 2001, whoever set up the U.S. Open. Like, uh, I didn't really like the look of it. Yeah. The bunkers have changed. Gil Hans did a great job. And like, I was looking at Google Maps last night. I was trying to understand that corner of the property where it's the par five into the par three into the par, uh, par four seventh with the other holes crossing it. And I was just like, from an aerial view, it actually doesn't look like the holes cross quite as much. But I think that's just because there's been new tees put in and there were trees everywhere. Like if you look across the property, 15 years ago, you can't see the other holes. But now that it's wide open, it's a, it's a way better golf course for, for viewing purposes, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I think it's fantastic the changes they've made. Tiger talked about how the ball used to roll off the greens and just get caught in the rough right there. Now it just keeps rolling. They don't want you just hacking out of deep rough. They want you hitting some sort of clever shot from the short grass negotiating like a really difficult slope. Yep. Some people have criticized it for leaving too much slope in the greens. And we'll see if that becomes like a theme throughout the week. If this was a US Open and the USGA was setting this place up, yeah. we might already be hearing some, some veiled criticism. Yeah. Instead, these guys really trust the PGA of America to not let the course get out of control. And, and you know, it might get windy, it might get a little crusty and, and fun and interesting. Yeah. But in general, they trust the setup so much. The PGA Championship, like Championships Department, Kerry mm -hmm. Hag, the guy who's actually setting up this golf course, he has never failed. Like Justin Thomas loves him more than basically anyone else in the world of golf. You listen to how JT talks about Kerry Hag and how he sets yeah. up golf courses. 
Like that's why I like JT to win because he loves PGA Championship setups. He's never failed. The USGA has had a really long, like two decades of setting up golfers to really struggle on golf courses. The PGA doesn't do that. Uh, one thing, like if you go to the golf course tomorrow, Steve, or whenever you're going this week, whenever the rest of you guys are going this week, if you get there on Thursday and Friday, you need to go and watch Zach Johnson and Cameron Champ play this golf course at the same exact time. Cameron Champ, who hits it further than anyone else in the state of Oklahoma. Zach Johnson, who hits it about as far as you do, maybe, maybe shorter than you do. These guys are going to play on the same golf course, those ridiculously long holes at the same exact time. Please go out there and watch that. Who's going to win? Who's going to be a lower for four days of those two? Cameron Champ. There's just too much length there. Like, Zach Johnson's going to be hitting, like, driver, three wood and not a wedge into some of these par fives. Does it feel like there's been any development in the world of international golf politics this week? Or are you like Rory and you're just sick of talking about it? it there has been development. Yeah. Holy cow. Like Ricky Fowler, who doesn't need to really, this is mean for he's an Oklahoma State guy, but he doesn't really need to be here. He has not deserved, I don't <laughs> think necessarily to be here this week. He's, he's struggled They're for booing in the audience. Yeah, now a year plus. Ricky, but is also one of the most internationally known golfers like on the planet. And he said, yeah, I'm considering going and playing the Live Series. Like, yeah. I'm not sold on the PGA Tour. Do I think the Tour is great? 100%. And I think this is actually aligns with what you and I believe. We think the Tour is great. The Tour takes care of these guys in so many ways. The, re the retirement accounts, the pensions, mm -hmm. the, the mental health initiatives that they are trying to help these guys with. Like the tour comes up with all kinds of programs, the yeah. NFT stuff, the best schedule in the world, bigger purses than you can see anywhere else. They take care of these players. They put it on a red carpet and say, walk down yeah. the red carpet. There's a lot more like that's unknown about the other stuff, but that doesn't mean that the tour cannot improve. Right. That's what Ricky said. The tour is great. It can improve. I think that's how I've felt this whole time. I'm a little bit of a chaos agent. I yeah. want some bigger things to happen. It was just interesting to try to unpack like his motivations behind basically coming out and saying, yeah, you know, I'm kind of a free agent still. Like he said in that same press conference, he never answers a question that he hasn't already asked himself. It's not like this came as a surprise. So yeah. he was very intentional about what he said. Yeah. Um, I think the most promising thing for a rival tour whether it is the, the live tour or, you know, less likely the premier golf league was Rory's answer today. I asked him like, you know, what's, what outcome are you rooting for at this point? And he said, honestly, any outcome, because I'm just tired of talking about it. And I think like if the live tour can just sort of slowly creep in, become establishment, wear people down, they've got more than enough money. Eventually, I mean, maybe they just outlast everyone else's interest to the contrary. Yeah, probably not a net positive for the game of golf, but I guess we'll have to wait until that happens. Are there any more questions from the live audience? I've got a question, Sean. We've got one question, Ooh, yeah. and we're going to use the hell out of it. All right, so I was out there yesterday, and I definitely have my thoughts about this question, but what do you guys think that the like three or four or whole stretch on that course is going to define who can pull ahead or maybe yes. who's going to fall out of contention on Sunday. Yeah, uh, I think it's 10 through 12. And I, you know, you're right. Steve agrees. Yeah. Wait, for the, for the man who asked the question, what is your opinion first? I, I would throw 13 in there too. Okay, add 13 on. There we go. 
Two thumbs up from Steve. So 10 through 12 are really fun. I think my favorite hole on the entire property is 10, and I might be stealing that from the man who did the redesign, uh, Gil Hans. He loves 10. 10 is this par four down the hill that you have to hit a, a, a really solid, like to a certain distance, tee shot. And you can go left, get a better angle into this green. You can stay right, have a shorter shot into the green. But if you go like to the distance that you want to go left and you hook it a little bit or you flare it out a little bit, you're in some real trouble. And so that's a great hole. 11 is a really, it's a, another tough par three. This whole place has just tough par threes. Yeah. And then 12, a long par four. You have to hit a really good solid mid iron after a good tee shot into this kind of like little fun valley zone of the golf course with a huge grandstand there. And then you have to turn around and then tee off on 13 and hit over the 12 green. Like it's just this kind of like little chaotic area of the course where of course like 10 through 13 on Sunday, that's where a lot of major championships are won, right? That's where Rory won at Valhalla. He eagled the 10th hole. This course reminds me of Valhalla with the creek running through it and the valley. Like that is where Rory basically won the PGA Championship in 14. Freaking last major that he's won in his life. Blows my mind. I'm with you. No <laughs> notes. No notes. All right. Steve has a question. I don't really have a question. I would just say that back in the early 80s, Arnold Palmer said that number 12 was his favorite par four on tour. Favorite four on tour. I've only gotten one look at it, but it, it is a, it's like 457 yards or something like that. It takes a really long tee shot right into an area where there's this fairway bunker left. And it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the fifth hole at Augusta. If anyone knows Augusta, it's a long par four People with this do. treacherous, really deep bunker on the left side. Now, it's probably not as deep as that bunker at Augusta, um, but it probably plays the same distance. And if you hit into that bunker, completely changes the hole for you. If you're gonna spin it out of that bunker, you're going into a green that isn't necessarily great for a lot of spin. It really is good for like a downhill, like half seven iron. That's what we saw Morikawa play yesterday. Um, it's a tough hole, but with the creek running along the side of it and everything, I, that's one thing we didn't mention is I the know, creek. I was just Holy cow! That too. Like this it, thing is like ever present, but you yeah. can completely forget about it. Like maybe you're not supposed to think about it while you're playing. If you're in the fairway, I don't think you are going to think that much about it. Yeah, if that makes sense. I mean, it, it's there to. I mean, it's going to be devastating if you're out of position because suddenly you're going to have to factor in, you know, where your ball is going to land and where it's going to roll to. If you're in position, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so 10 through 13, but like 16 through 18 is super fun. And then like if I truly, I said this earlier, if I had to sit in one corner of the property, it's gotta be the log yeah. jam area. I just wanna see dudes get pissed. I wanna see, I wanna see guys on the seventh tee get hit into, or yeah. to be like right here as someone, as Tiger hits uh, yeah, yeah. a shot into the sixth and the crowd goes nuts. I want yeah. to see the crowd have to like squeeze in that corner of the property. That's going to be freaking wild Especially, on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, Tiger, Spieth, and Rory in the same group. Golf is, competitive golf is built on petty little grievances. I mean, you still remember when Sergio got mad because Tiger Woods pulled a club out of his bag while <laughs> Sergio was hitting at the players, like yeah. whatever, 10 years ago. There's going to be a lot of stuff like that where it's like, why did that guy hit? I was about to putt, etc. Have you ever seen... So I've been in this job eight years. You've been in this job five years. 
Have you ever seen a tea time with more hype than the guy chasing oh, the career grand slam, the goat limping and gaming his way around this course, and Rory? Have you ever seen such like a ridiculous tea time? I've never seen something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you pair Tiger with Phil in the early rounds, it's it's three of the four most famous golfers in the world right now, and the other one, <laughs> the other one's not here, is playing golf in San Diego with a <laughs> kind of suspiciously scruffy beard right now. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I I can't imagine anything that's going to match the mayhem. Also, I mean. The Oklahoma fans, we already saw the difference between yeah. Sunday fans and Monday fans and today Tuesday fans. This afternoon as we were walking up the course, the place was packed. Those $18 beers are <laughs> flying off the shelves despite what everyone's complaining about. Uh, I think it's going to be mayhem. It's going to be hot. Saturday maybe it's going to be a little chilly, but the first yeah. couple days with these fans getting major championship golf for the first time in, in 15 years, they're going to be ready. If you're a golf sicko, let Tiger, Rory, and Spieth be on their mm -hmm. side of the golf course. Go to the other side, right? Yeah. There's going to be no one out there. Who is it? Tommy Fleetwood and Kevin Kisner and yeah. whatever that group is going to be playing some artisanal golf yeah. around Great Southern ball Hills. Strikers. Are we done with questions? Are we all good in here? Everyone seems satisfied. Oh, oh there's we got one more question. We arrived late, my son and I, and uh, just got off the course. My name's Dan. Dan. And so... Who picked the top three? Who are you picking as the very top three? Win place show. Sean, you want to start? I'll start with a win. We both agree on this. We both think John Rahm's going to win. Um, I'll pick someone else, but yeah, <laughs> go okay. ahead. Let me speak for myself. I think Rahm, I said it earlier, maybe 20 minutes ago, like he went through a really uncomfortable period earlier this year and in a way that I haven't seen him be uncomfortable. And it was just like, wait, is this... Is this golfing God? Like, I think he's the best player of his generation. Is he going through something weird? And he, I mean, it really was just boiling down to his, his putter. And he putted, like, 200th best for, like, kind of like a month straight. Yeah. And he still was making cuts and still, like, grinding out finishes and, and just showing how good he is tee to green. I just, I think he's kind of figured out that putter issue. And suddenly he gets back to where he was last year. Who's second? All right, I'll go. I'll go. You go. <laughs> uh, I got. I've got Sam Burns to win out okay. of nowhere, off everyone's bingo card right now. Built for this course. Xander Shoffley finishes second. Keegan Bradley finishes third. Uh, fourth, you've got uh, Corey Connors, yep. and yep. fifth, you've got Justin Thomas. If we're going all the way. All right, I'm going Zalatoris two. Kid who won here. He won the the Trans Mississippi Amp. Yeah, here. I mean that's a great pick. It's a long time ago. The course has changed since then, but he is just so skittish on like really tough, fast greens, and I think he just puts a lot more confidently. On it's not that these greens won't be fast, but they are just going to be different than I think he sees. Pretty good lag putter. He's an underrated lag putter. Yeah, he's not a great four foot putter, which generally you have to do well to win on the PGA right. Tour. Most but of us in this room aren't either. I think he's damn good at hitting 310 yard tee shots and maybe the best in the world at hitting 215 yard irons. Like I think he's going to have his fair share of those this week. So Who's your bronze medalist? Bronze medalist. We're going to go with the local flavor, who I trust. Now, he's going out on a limb because Taylor Gooch is not a great driver mm. of the ball. Like, he doesn't – he's not that accurate off the tee, and he's not, like, outwardly long. Right. But he is phenomenal at getting up and down. He grinded on a tough golf course. Lost to Scotty Scheffler at the Bay, uh, Bay Hill Invitational. But I can see the courses with wind, playing firm a little bit like Bay Hill in some ways. 
uh, Bermuda, right? Like, could be tricky in those ways. Taylor Gooch, third place, Oklahoma flavor. Rom Zalatoris Gooch. That seemed like pandering to the crowd, but I'll, I'll take it. We have to at this point. Uh, well, thank you all for being here. For everyone that's listening from home, head to radmoregolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com. Get one of these nice shirts, enter code DROPZONE for 25% off. We'll and be all of you tomorrow. in the crowd need to subscribe, you too, especially you, Steve. Already did. Steve, Steve already, already subscribed, subscribed to the podcast. Uh, we're psyched to be here. We've got one more practice round day, and then we got four fantastic tournament rounds of golf. Sean, cheers. Oh, your My drinks, beer is over. Your drink's over. Yep. Woo!